0: Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic. Common sense. Compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your weekend is going well. Now, if you're on the eastern seaboard... I'm guessing your weekend didn't go so well. We kept hearing about this oncoming storm, this nor'easter, or as they call it, a bomb cyclone. It's basically a huge snowstorm, and there were all kinds of predictions of how bad it might be. And unfortunately, when it did hit, it was every bit of those predictions. A lot of snow, a lot of wind, some flooding, all kinds of bad things happening on the eastern seaboard. It affected 10 states up and down the East Coast. Boston tied a record with 23.6 inches. Winds gusted as high as 83 miles an hour on Cape Cod. Now, New York City and Philadelphia didn't get as much snow as, say, Boston, but they still did get 7.5 inches, and that's a significant amount, especially in a place when you don't usually get that kind of snow. Uh, More than 4,500 flights were canceled, and uh, there were some very large waves on the shoreline. In fact, I saw some video of waves hitting a house or a store or something, some building. The waves were so high coming off the ocean that they were hitting the buildings. Um, Over 120,000 homes in Massachusetts alone lost power. Now, this is a huge event. It went from Maine all the way down to South Carolina, affected 16 million people, maybe more than that. And it had some debilitating effects, no question. I mean, some of these areas don't have the equipment or the experience to deal with this kind of snowfall. And it takes a long time to dig out from something like this. Now, I will tell you, in Minnesota, Minneapolis particularly, if you have a uh, snowstorm of 7, 8, 10, 12 inches. That's bad. That slows everything down, but by the next day, they've plowed everything out, and things start to move back to normal, mainly because We're used to dealing with that kind of thing. But in these areas that aren't used to it, well, that's a little more troublesome. It takes longer to dig out. I told folks yesterday on the podcast and on TikTok that the best thing you can do is just stay indoors. Don't go outside during the storm because it's going to cause a lot of problems, not only for driving, but for fucking walking. I mean, we're talking about 70-mile-an-hour winds and driving snow. See, that's the problem. As well as the snow that's falling, if you've got winds that high, it's going to be blowing other snow that's already on the ground all over the place. Your visibility is going to be limited. And i got to tell you, there are times when I've driven in snowstorms when I can't see 10 feet in front of my car. And that's a very scary proposition. What do you do? You pull over and wait it out? Well, you don't know how long the storm is going to go. Do you try to make it home and get out of it? Well, sometimes you do, but the fact of the matter is, all the time you're in your car, there's a lot of danger. I think, you know, I think the thing that worries me the most about snowstorms in Minnesota is driving, and that goes back to my experience being a traffic reporter and seeing accident after accident after accident during snowstorms. And I'm not so worried about myself. I don't have to go out and drive as much as I used to. But I am very concerned about my wife, my sons, my daughter-in-law, my grandkids when they're out there on the roads and it doesn't have anything to do with them not being safe or driving properly or taking too many chances. The problem is there are people out there that are just fucking crazy. They think because they have a four-wheel drive truck they're immune from any problems. Well now a four-wheel drive truck will get you through the snow better than I don't know an Acura or Prius or something like that. But here's the deal. If there's ice on the roads the four-wheel drive doesn't do you any good, and it's surprising how many people don't realize that. If you have a four-wheel drive on ice, that just means four wheels are spinning on the ice as opposed to one or two. So they've got this false sense of security when they're in a big four-wheel drive truck, <laughs> probably with a Confederate fat flag on the back. So really, when you're on the roads... Uh, with a snowstorm or just adverse conditions of any kind. If you're safe out there, that's wonderful. But unfortunately, you will get a lot of people that end up in crashes that they had no part of making happen. Somebody else lost control of their car. They were driving too fast. I mean, whenever I see a car in a ditch, I know it's only one of two reasons why that happened. Either they were driving too fast or somebody ran them off the road. It just doesn't magically happen. There is a technique to driving in snow and ice, and people in Minnesota have become accustomed to it. People out east may not be as accustomed. So at that point, it's best just to stay in the house. Now, if the snow stopped, and I don't know if it has, if it has, still hang in the house for a little bit. Wait till things get cleared off. Because you're going to be put in a situation that you're just not used to. It just doesn't make any sense. So better to be safe than sorry. There are many people that die on our roads every year under dry conditions. You get wet or icy conditions. It magnifies the chances of you being injured in an accident or killed even. You know, that's the funny thing. When you're driving down the roadway and you see a car fire or a rolled over car, you as a driver will see that and will will say, wow, that's unusual, that hardly ever happens. But when you had my job as a traffic reporter, and I sat in a room where I watched five or six hundred cameras that showed me all different parts of a freeway system through every rush hour for 27 years, I'm going to tell you that... Those kinds of things aren't rare at all. You see them all the time. You just don't happen to see them on your route. After sitting in that position for 27 years and watching what's going on, I became more fearful about the potential dangers on the roadway. Because with just us driving down the roadway, we don't realize how much is going on and what is happening out there and how often people are injured or killed in cars. I'm going to tell you one other thing, too, especially in conditions like this. There are people out there that love to tailgate. Do not fucking do that. And there's a very good reason for it. I'll tell you a a scenario I saw one time during a snowstorm. When you get a snowstorm, it's not unusual that you'll get stalls on the freeway. And a stall can be in the middle of a lane of traffic. So one morning... We have a stall in the left center lane of a major freeway. And we see a truck coming up toward it. And we see somebody following directly behind that truck, tailgating. As that truck gets closer and closer and finally realizes that uh, there's a stall there, they just finally realize it because of the snow and the visibility is limited, that truck immediately swerves out of the way kind of abruptly, swerves out of the way, gets around that car. Unfortunately, the car that was tailgating the truck did not see the car in time and piled right into the back of it. Now, had that car been back a ways, they would have had a chance to see it and avoid that collision too. But by virtue of uh, tailgating, you were blinded by what was in front of you. And then when that moved out abruptly, it was far too late to try to get around it. There's very good reason not to tailgate. Do not do it, especially in adverse road conditions. All right, let's talk about some of the news that's going on in this country. It's uh, some of it's kind of appalling. I mean, it's a weekend, so weekends typically uh, typically don't have a lot of action, not a lot of news. Everybody's putting everything on hold till Monday, and then things will take off then. Um, but Donald Trump had a rally yesterday in Texas. You notice how he always only has the rallies in red states? Now, here's the deal. If I'm looking to gain votes, I don't go to just the places that love me. I need to go to those places that maybe don't like me or don't know me and try to sell them on voting for me. But Donald Trump doesn't like doing that. He likes the adulation. He likes the praise. And he doesn't have any real sense about what it's like to build an audience or build voters or supporters. He doesn't care about that. He just wants the applause and the cheering from the mass fucking ignorant idiots that make up his base. But anyway, he was in, in Texas doing his rally as he does When you think about it, that's really all Donald Trump does is rallies. He didn't govern when he was in office. He did little or nothing. The Republican Party is showing that that's their goal. They never have a platform. They never have any plan to do anything. All they're there to do is try to obstruct the Democratic Party. Now, if I'm a Republican and I want people to be in office to govern, I'd like them to do something. Donald Trump never did anything. And the Republicans continue to do nothing. But anyway, he's at this rally, and he's talking. Um, He was uh, talking about how these Democrats just want to put me in jail. You're fucking right, Donald Trump. But you should be in jail because you broke many laws. And you will probably risk the chance of being in jail. The only reason you won't be in jail if you don't make it there is because you were a former president because that's kind of unprecedented. But don't make a mistake. Your life will be destroyed. Your money will be gone. No one will even look at you. The Republican Party won't give you a second look for 2024. So he, he's he's decrying that the Democrats want to put him in jail. At least he's smart enough to know that, well, that's true. Uh, and last night, he floated the idea of pardoning the January 6 rioters if he gets reelected as president in 2024. Can you fucking believe that? It's an insurrection. And now he's saying, boy, if I get to be president, I'll pardon you. What Donald Trump forgot was that while he was president, he and his administration did tell these people, hey, look, we'll pardon you. But when it came down to it and these people were arrested, even though they thought they were patriots, Donald Trump didn't do jack shit. He pardoned nobody. All these insurrectionists, 700 that were on the ground at the U.S. Capitol, have been charged, have been convicted, and some have already gone to jail. But there's going to be many, many more that go to jail. Donald Trump didn't pardon them. But now, now that he needs something, he's going to give promises. Now, even if you are a Donald Trump fan, you've got to realize this fucking guy doesn't do anything but lie. Why you would ever believe him, I can't possibly imagine. But you know what? These trump lefucks, this base, they'll believe anything he says. Now, now, here's an ironic thing. Here's a couple of ironic things. First of all, this is part and parcel to what Donald Trump does. It's all about the grift. It's all about getting something for making a stupid claim or a promise that you're never going to keep. It's just more grifting. He said, give me money and I will fix the election fraud. Give me money and I'll save America. And those dumb trump fucks kept sending him money. He's got all kinds of money. But unfortunately, the base and the people willing to send him money are a, a finite bunch, finite in terms of how much money they have Infinite finite in the sense that they keep sending money, but they get nothing in return. Some of these people are even becoming a little um, dissatisfied with all these promises from Donald Trump. Everything he's claimed that was going to happen doesn't. Mike Lindell makes claims, Q makes claims, and not one of those predictions ever happened. Donald Trump's coming back, give us some money. They give you the money, and guess what? Donald Trump does not fucking come back. So now he's suggesting that if he gets elected in 2024, make sure I get elected in 2024, I'll make sure to pardon all those January 6th rioters. All these people in jail currently, all these people that will be in jail currently, the Congress members, the former staff, all he has to do is get to be president. He'll pardon them all. And I'll be honest with you. If he did get to be president, he's got nothing to lose. He's got one last term that he can possibly be president, and that's when presidents do whatever the fuck they want because they got nothing to lose. They're essentially a long-term lame duck. But Donald Trump is not going to be the candidate for the Republicans, and Donald Trump has no chance of being president again. He may even know that, but he knows he can inspire this crowd to do something, pay something, if he can get them excited. Now, I don't know if these people are really buying into it. But here's the interesting thing. I've always said that Donald Trump, every time he opens his mouth, he fucks up. His whole career as a president of the United States, everything could have been much easier, much better for him if he had just shut his mouth. But he can't do that. He's a loudmouth, stupid piece of shit. So if this guy, if three-fourths of the country know it's an insurrection, are adamantly against the insurrection, and Donald Trump says, I'm going to help the insurrectionist." That makes no fucking sense. Anybody that might be in the middle between Donald Trump and uh, the Democratic Party, they're going to walk away from him because they even know what an insurrection is and how dangerous it was. But by saying what he said, does that not, is that not tantamount to uh, admitting that he was part of the deal? It certainly admits that he's, um, appreciative, and approves of what was done, in spite of the fact that 75% of the country knew what it was. See, Donald Trump can't help but fuck himself up. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that statement didn't come up in these insurrection hearings, because it makes you question, did he know? Was he involved? Those are the questions they're investigating now, And I think there's no question he was. He was absolutely aware of it, and he was part of the reason why it happened, and he was helping to facilitate it as it was happening and leading up to it. We're seeing all these things that are tied to this insurrection. The attack of the Capitol was just one thing. You know, we thought maybe a bunch of crazy people just decided to do it and Who could stop that? Who could know that? But then, when you throw in the fact that we've got all these um, fake and phony certificates of ascertainment with the phony um, electors, and we find out that Rudy Giuliani was behind it and the Washington, uh, or the Oval Office was behind it, that makes it even weirder, doesn't it? And then you hear about the census and Donald Trump trying to fuck with the census, trying to deal with the DOJ, trying to call Georgia and other states and trying to get them to lie and overturn the election. He told the DOJ, just say it was a bad election and I'll take it from here. This shows us a much bigger plan or strategy. They had been thinking about this and they had a plan set up. We know that... uh, the lawyer, I think what's his name? Kennedy or something. He 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 had a plan, he wrote out a plan to put this in operation. And it was more than just people attacking the Capitol. It was just one part of the whole thing. They had all kinds of things going on because they wanted to set it up a certain way so they could make it confusing or chaotic enough so that they could make something happen. Well, Of course, as I've said before, if Donald Trump's involved, it will get fucked up, and that's exactly what happened. So now Donald Trump's up on stage in one of his famous rallies, admitting that he was tied to the insurrectionists and maybe even a part of of the insurrectionist he certainly incited them but i believe he was deeper into that whole situation than maybe we even know it's starting to come out now so i'm sure it will be exposed at some point through the uh through the house select committee especially when they start doing the televised uh hearings That's going to blow the roof off the place, as Jamie Raskin once said. That's going to be interesting. So Donald Trump's all proud of the insurrectionists and the rioters. He says he'll give them a pardon if you just vote him in as president. Yeah, if you believe Donald Trump, you're dumber than I thought you fucking were. He would not pardon you. He just wants to get what he wants. He wants your money, he wants your help, he wants your approval, he wants your applause. That's all he wants from you. He'll promise you anything but will never deliver even though you might deliver on those things he wants. All right. So we've got a Supreme Court nomination coming from Vice or from President Joe Biden. Now the Democrats need 50 votes in the Senate to Place This person, whoever that may be, into the Supreme Court. Now, people are really worried. Now, they know the Republicans won't vote for anything that's Democratic, especially a Supreme Court justice. And they do have 50 Democratic votes. They can vote. The Republicans can vote against Kamala Harris would then break the tie, and that person will be seated. But what people are worried about right now, of course, is Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, and rightfully so. These people have taken a shit when it came to Build Back Better in the voting rights bill. They have not been any help to the Democrats, and uh, they have their own problems because of that. So now a lot of people are presuming that Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema are just against the Democrats and either are Republicans in disguise or will switch to being Republicans. And as I pointed out to you later or, or, or earlier, they're not going to switch to be Republicans. That makes no sense at all. Maybe the Democrats don't like them, but the Republicans certainly aren't going to like their mindset and the things they vote on. Not everything is ultra-conservative that they vote on. They are not going to be wel- welcomed in the Republican Party. Now, they might do that right now in order to get a uh, uh, majority in the Senate, but Joe Manchin and Christian cinema just aren't dumb enough to do that. And the fact of the matter is that uh, Joe Manchin has been talking uh, to reporters about this prospect of voting for a Supreme Court justice. And Manchin has been more open about it. Somebody even asked him, he said, uh, would you vote for a Supreme Court justice even though they might be more liberal than you? And he said, sure, I would do that. I mean, let's be honest. They are Democrats, even though they don't always act like it. They may not like everything about whoever Joe Biden puts up as the Supreme Court, but they certainly don't want an ultra-conservative judge on the Supreme Court. I mean, what would be the point anyway? It's already 6-3. to three. By placing this particular judge, it doesn't change the dynamics of the court. It doesn't change the fact that the Republicans have the majority currently, so there's nothing to gain by them denying these the Supreme Court nomination. And besides, he just it, it's it's as I said in the previous podcast, it may be a chance to get a little redemption from taking a beating and looking like shit for the last six months to a year by undermining all these Democratic. Uh, Bills and such. So from what Manchin is saying right now, it doesn't sound like he's going to step in the way of uh, this nomination. Now I keep hearing about Mitch McConnell and the possibility of him doing putting up roadblocks and trying to make it difficult and doing this, and honestly I don't know what he could do. I mean a bottom line is there is no filibuster when it comes to a Supreme Court justice. And you can think Mitch McConnell, for that. He's the one that cut that out so he could place his Supreme Court justices. And that's the, you know, that's the thing that people don't understand. They're so short-sighted. They did that. They cut out the filibuster for the, uh, the Supreme Court justice nominations because they wanted what they wanted, and they wanted it now. But what they fail to understand is that that's fine for now, when you get what you want. But you've set the precedent now. Now when the other side comes in, they can take the same rules you just created and use it to their advantage. And then you get all but hurt and cry and whine and say, well, it's not fair. Fuck you, Mitch McConnell. You set the rules. Now you're going to have to live with it. Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema aren't going to stand in the way of these nom- this nomination. I just don't think they will. They have nothing to gain and everything They have nothing to lose and everything to gain by voting for this nomination. So for you folks that are worried about the prospect of Manchin um, pissing on Biden's parade with the Supreme Court nomination, yeah, don't be worried about it. I don't think that's going to be a thing. I don't think that's going to be an issue. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we will be back. So here's a story that we've heard all too often in the last year or so. You might remember this guy, a former Washington State trooper who was fired for refusing to get the COVID vaccine. Then he went viral in a, radio, uh, in a video. He was signing off for the last time in his cruiser. And he said he was leaving because of the vaccine situation. And he was upset about it. And then in that video, he said, Governor Jay Inslee, you can kiss my ass. Well, of course, this guy was the big hero of the anti-vaxxers. He's the tough guy. He told the governor off. Yeah, he's not getting the COVID vaccine. And this poor man got fired because he wouldn't do it. I mean, he's a police officer, for goodness sake. What's, Where's the problem with the Democrats in that Blue line. They don't like the police. Never mind that these Trump LaFox ended up beating up and killing police officers in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol. But this guy wanted to stand up and make his name by telling the governor to kiss his ass, which he did do. Now, his name was Robert LeMay. He was 50 years old, not an old guy. Man, he's 11 years younger than I am. He said he didn't trust the vaccine. He even did some public speaking after because, again, he was an anti-vax hero now. Here's a cop that stood up to the man and said, I'm not getting the vaccine, even if it means I'm getting fired. I think he thought he could parlay that into some public speaking and make all kinds of money. uh, But he ended up uh, working as a. traffic control guy with a flag or a flashlight or something. That's how he was making money. I don't know if he made money off the uh, public speaking or not, but he didn't really have much time to try to get a new career going or even do that many public speaking engagements because within three months of doing that viral video, surprisingly, he caught that hoax, which we know as COVID-19. He became infected with COVID-19. He got sick. Then he got sicker. Then he got a little sicker. And then he went into the hospital. He went into the hospital. He was there for a time. They got a GoFundMe for him because now he doesn't have a job and he's dying. I mean, you think about that. Had he still been a cop, had he not quit, and had he got the vaccination and even got in a situation where he was going to die, he might have health insurance still. He might have had a big-time life insurance policy through the police department. But now that he quit, he does not. But he was sure the vaccination was bad for you and that COVID was a little more than a hoax. He got COVID, got real sick, went into the hospital. And then within three months of doing that viral video when he quit his job or was fired from his job as a, a police trooper, he's dead. We've heard this story all too often, and you would think that it would click in some of these people's heads. These anti-vaxxers that see these stories, they say, oh, you know, maybe, just maybe, I could have been wrong. And so here we have yet another story of somebody who was absolutely sure that COVID wasn't a big deal and that uh, the vaccine was bad for you. He's only 50 years old. He had another ten years of working watching his kids grow, and instead he said, "I'm not going to get the vaccine. he gets sick and he dies Now there's been a lot of people making fun of him and making sport of this guy and some people are appalled by it by but uh, because this poor guy's dead and now they're making fun of him and I tend to agree there's really no reason to make fun of somebody who dies regardless of how stupid they might have been and did it to themselves. I wouldn't make fun of them. I could. i got a lot of things going on in my head that would throw out there to make fun of them. But, that, you know, there's no reason to do it. And uh, it's just not. It's tacky. You don't do it. But here's the deal. I'm not going to feel sorry for the guy. I'm not going to cry for the guy. I feel bad for his family because they were misled by a guy who obviously was misguided. The head of their household, the the father, the husband, what have you, he made the wrong choice. And as I've said so many times before, he fucked around and he found out. Unfortunately, now he's dead. His family is devastated and probably in financial straits just because this guy made a wrong decision. And even if he saw the wrong decision once he was getting sick, he could not admit that he was wrong. And that goes back to what we talked about in the previous podcast. At some point, you got to say, you know what, I'm probably wrong. Maybe I should adjust here. But this man and every other man and woman like him that are against the vaccine, you can show them every story like this one, and they will still not change their mind. Donald Trump, their Lord and Savior, will stand up and say, I got the vaccine, and all of you should get the vaccine. It's an amazing medicine. It's done wonders, and you should get the vaccine. And even still, when Donald Trump tells them that, they don't listen. They don't want to believe it. They've already been indoctrinated into this conspiracy theory, how the vaccination is bad and how the COVID is a hoax. And all of this was precipitated and cultivated by Donald Trump, his administration, and, of course, the Republican Party. See, see, that's the thing. And I think there was a time when Donald Trump was still in office where they wanted to deny all this stuff and deny all this stuff so this bad stuff didn't rain down on them as they were approaching the election. But I think there was a point when hundreds of thousands of people were dying. They step back and go, oh, shit, we fucked up. This is going to get away from us. This is not going to look good. We were fearful that if everybody thought this was a bad thing, it would hurt us in the election. Now we've got hundreds of thousands of people dying, and we're going to get blamed, and it's going to hurt us in the election. goes back to what I've said before. Let Donald Trump have any power over any decisions. Let him say anything he wants, and he is sure to fuck it up. He took over this country in 2016, and when have you seen this country in worse shape? In terms of the economy we're all right now that Joe Biden's in, but Donald Trump took the economy, a great economy, from uh, from Obama and pretty much destroyed it because of the pandemic. Now Joe Biden's trying to bring it back and do the right things, but Donald Trump has never been successful at anything. I defy anybody to tell me when he's been successful. Yeah, I know he has buildings in downtown New York, but all of these seem to have been balanced on bullshit and leverage and reputation. Donald Trump had a reputation of being a billionaire. Turns out he really wasn't a billionaire. But people kept buying into it and giving him some leeway. Or they started to bail him out. But now everybody believes that COVID is a hoax and it's not a big deal and the vaccine is bad. And there are people dying by the thousands. I think yesterday, or maybe the day before, there was like 3,700 people died that day. I mean, how many people died in 9-11, and how big a deal that was? 3,000 people thereabouts? Well, we got 3,000 people dying a day, a 9-11 a day. And it was just because Donald Trump fucked up. This guy will go down in history as the worst human, the worst president, and the biggest plight on this country in history. All right, I want to talk about something other than um, Donald Trump and politics per se. And I bring this up because this is something I predicted five years ago. And I have a special insight to it because my wife is a teacher And I saw what was going on with uh, public schools in our area, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. But it's it's pretty much the same in other parts of the country. I said about four or five years ago that there is going to be a catastrophic shortage of teachers. And uh, and it started out with a big shortage of uh, substitute teachers. And the reason I said that there was going to be a shortage of teachers was a couple of reasons. And this is part of the reason why we have a shortage of employees generally in this country. There was a study that was put out. When people came back from COVID, the pandemic, the shutdown, and now a lot of people didn't go back to work, people are wondering how is that possible? What happened? How is that possible? Well, it turns out 70, 70% of the people that didn't come back after the shutdowns were boomers, people who were very close to um, retiring. And they said, I can't, I can't deal with this. Fuck it. I'll just retire early. And here's what you need to understand. Teachers make up a lot. There's a lot of boomers that are teachers. And boomers, there's like 70 million boomers out there. Some are already retired, but the rest are definitely going to retire sometime soon. I'm one of the youngest boomers. I was born in 1960. It goes from 46 to 64. And I'm going to be 62 years old. So there's a lot of boomers that are going to be retiring. So the problems we have with finding enough employees is going to be harder. Now, especially in education, Having a wife that was a teacher, I can tell you that teachers are treated horribly. They're treated horribly. Now, people will say they don't pay them enough, and that's probably true. They don't pay them enough. But some teachers in certain districts do okay. They're not getting poverty wages. My wife didn't get poverty wages. But she certainly didn't get paid what she was worth, given what she had to go through. You have to understand when you're a teacher in a public school, you get absolutely no support from your administration or your school board or anything like that. The people that run our school districts are the parents. And we've got some shitty parents out there, to be perfectly honest with you. They don't care if their kids learn. All they care about is that their kids are there, they're popular, and they get through the system and they hand them a fucking diploma. That's all they care about. They care about, did they go to prom? Or were they popular in school? Or were all the teachers nice to them? Did everybody believe what they believed, that every student was specially gifted, specially intelligent? What you have to understand about public education, there is a lot of money poured into public education. I know in my area, When you look at the local or state taxes that we pay, half of all the taxes we pay go to public schools. Now, people will always say, well, public schools waste money by spending money on teachers and having tenure and all this sort of stuff. Well, giving teachers tenure isn't any different than having tenure in any other kind of government job. It's just there. But here's what you need to know. All that money that's being poured into public education is not trickling down to the teachers. In the last six, seven, eight years, my wife was a teacher. Not one raise. Not one raise. Everything went up in price, but she never got one raise. And she was a good teacher. She had a master's. See, the money isn't – they're taking a lot of money out of our taxes, but it's not going to the classroom. It's not going to the teachers. Every year my wife was a teacher. She had to go buy materials just to do the, the, the lesson she wanted to do. They got some from the school district, but not enough. And when they wanted to get more, they got harassed about it or just didn't get it at all. So where is all the money that's going to public education going? Well, it's going to the administration, getting caught up in middle management, and very little trickles down. That's where the waste is in public schools. It's in middle management and the administration, because they're doing stupid things with money, paying people ridiculous amounts of money, who never even get involved with a child. The first job of education is teaching our kids. So you would think the majority of the money they take in would go to those kids, but that's, that's not the case. Then when a teacher is trying to teach a class and you get kids that are supposed to learn, but they're out of hand, they're unruly, uh, or they get into trouble, you call their parents, and the parents say, well, my kid wouldn't do that. Teacher says, well, I saw him do it. No, he didn't do that. I mean, it's like dealing with Trumplicants. They're gaslighting you. They're lying to you. And then the administration and the schools, they don't do anything to support the teachers. They're too afraid that the parents are going to sue them. So they let the parents do whatever they want. So essentially, you get a bunch of kids that don't really get an education because the teachers aren't allowed to teach. The money doesn't come down to the classroom. And the parents who are fucked up in the first place are the ones running the school. And the reason I said that we were going to have a shortage with teachers is because, first of all, we're going to have a lot of boomers leaving. We have a lot of young people going into education, but it's funny. There's a different attitude about it. It used to be an attitude when my wife was going to be a teacher. This was my dream job. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to be there for 35 years. Then I'm going to retire. You were committed to the job committed to being a teacher, not happening anymore. There aren't millennials or even Gen Xers out there that are saying, yeah, I want to teach for 35 years. Most of them are saying, I'll teach for a little bit, then I'll go get a job where I can make some real money, which is smart on their part. They know that the administration doesn't treat teachers very well. They'll go there and get a decent salary for a little while, but when they've learned enough and got some experience, they'll head out into the real world and make some fucking real money. That's a smart thing to do. I don't blame them for that. So, school districts and administrations have been doing this for decades and decades. And as those baby boomers leave and these millennials, Gen Xers, and even younger people come in, they aren't going to take that shit, especially now when it's so hard to find employees. They're going to get treated badly and they're going to say, fuck you. So what's going to happen is that these Districts are going to have to pay big money and big benefits to lure people into these jobs. They spent all these years trying to cheat teachers and treat them badly, and now they're going to have to flip, flip the script, and they're going to have to beg and pay for employees. I mean, as it is right now, there is a shortage of substitute teachers, If you're in a school and you need three substitute teachers, you're lucky if you get one. So then what happens? Two classes don't have a teacher. So then some other teacher has to take on that class as well as their class. So now this teacher doesn't feel like she's getting paid very well. Now she has to take on two classes because these fuckers can't get a substitute teacher. You see what's going on here? It's like a lot of things in this country. People are realizing They don't treat us well. They don't pay us well. They don't support us. So fuck that. I'm not going to do it. But what if everybody says, I'm not going to teach anymore? Then we have a public school system that isn't worth a shit. And frankly, right now, what little that's being done, you have to question whether it has a value or not. I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school. I did my work. I had good teachers, and I got things done. But that's just not the way it is anymore. If I yelled at my teacher and got in trouble and did something stupid and they told my mom, my mom would smack me on the back of the head and say, you listen to that teacher and shut up or you're gonna, there's going to be hell to pay at home. It's not what happens now. These kids are allowed to get away with doing anything. Parents will come in and say, my kid is uh, has uh, special intelligence. He should be have harder work. When in fact, if you look at what they're doing, they're barely doing grade level work. So they're t- calling grade level work special. These kids aren't disciplined. They don't do what they want, they don't do anything they don't want to do. The unfortunate thing is, at some point, they're going to be released into the world, places with jobs and college and such. And those places, mom and dad aren't going to have any power. And all you know is that you've been able to get whatever you want, as much as you want, and nobody could yell at you. But you're going to get in the real world, and it ain't going to be like that. You're not going to be ready for it, and you're not going to be successful. These parents and these schools are doing a disservice to our kids. And here's the problem. It's like with colleges charging so much money. We as a country and our government should have one thing in mind. We should have as many people in this country educated as possible. If we hope to succeed in education, succeed in business, succeed in anything, we should want to have our kids educated. We should be willing to let these kids get educated for free because they're the people that are going to make up this country in 25 or 30 years. And if they're all fucking stupid, then we got a big stupid country. Why do you think we have a base of 30% that follow Donald Trump? Cuz of fucked up parents and fucked up education. If we want to look down the road, we've got to make sure these kids are educated, and we just ain't doing it now. School districts aren't doing it. Parents aren't doing it, And sure as hell, the kids have no reason to have to do it. And now we've got a shortage of teachers. We're going to have schools that don't have teachers. I mean, there is a few states. There's Texas, Idaho, and Colorado. There's such a shortage of substitute they are asking parents in those districts to come in and substitute. <laughs> and they are so short on substitutes right now. There's a district in the metro area here in Minnesota. And uh, they're so desperate for for uh, substitutes that they are paying substitutes $300 a day to come in and fucking babysit. They are allowing teachers that don't have teacher credentials to teach because they just can't get anybody. So now what we have is schools where people come in that aren't educated or don't know how to teach sit there and just babysit. And what, we, what are we left with? We're left with a bunch of dumb adults because they don't have an education. We have a big shortage in our public education, and that's a big problem. It's a big problem now, but it's going to be even a bigger problem 20, 25 years down the road. Let's talk quickly about uh, Spotify. I talked about them yesterday, and it just keeps getting worse for them. You know, uh, Neil Young started it and said, I can't believe Joe Rogan is saying the shit he's saying on his podcast. If you're going to keep Joe Rogan here, you're going to have to take all my music off. That's what Neil Young said. And, of course, Spotify said, okay, fuck it, we don't care. Neil Young's gone. Then it was Barry Manilow. Then it was uh, Joni Mitchell. Then it was Nils Lofgren. Now, more and more people are, are are saying, fuck it, we want off of Spotify. Let's be perfectly honest with you. Spotify or any of these platforms don't pay these musicians jack shit. They're making tons of money, but the musicians are making pennies. The only reason they put it on there is because they really don't have to do anything to gain what little money they're getting, and they want that exposure. But if that exposure includes a podcast who's giving out false information about COVID and about vaccinations and about treatments, they don't want to be part of it. So they're protesting, and they're pulling their stuff off. I read somewhere that there might be as many as 70 people already who have taken their music off Spotify, but it doesn't stop there. I've been seeing a lot of things on the Internet where people who are paying the premium price for Spotify, they're canceling their subscriptions. So Spotify is starting to take a hit financially. And as I told you yesterday, it was found that they lost $4 $4 billion in market value. They lost 25% of the value of their company in one day just over this Neil Young and Joe Rogan thing. They decided to stick with Joe Rogan because they got $100 million into him. They are finding out very quickly that was a dumb move. And it's going to be interesting to see if they decide to pivot or they'll just double down and stick with it. But this is going to cause Spotify a problem, a big problem, a problem that they didn't expect. And to be honest with you, if you got to fuck around and find out, go ahead, do that. But try to learn a lesson and try to do what's right instead of what you think is going to make you a lot of money. Here's an interesting one. Two nurses in Long Island, New York. Julie, let me see if I can pronounce this right. DeVueno and Marissa Uaro. They were caught selling fake vaccination cards. It's a fucking nurses. These are medical professionals. They're creating and selling fake vaccination cards. And, and it's not some little piddly shit. They made like 1.5 million dollars doing this. And it's interesting this uh, Julie de Viono her, uh, <laughs> her her husband is an NYPD cop. Wow. That is fucking appalling. These people that are against vaccines, they're going to try to game the system by creating a fake vaccination card. And even more than that, imagine they made a million five. How many people are buying these fucking things? Just so they can go on a plane or in a uh, restaurant. They want to get that card. They'll pay a couple hundred bucks to get a vaccine card, but they won't. Take the vaccine. If that is not the definition of fucking stupid, I don't know what. Because these people are not getting the vaccination, as I pointed out before, this cop in Washington, he thought it was a big joke. He thought uh, Governor Jay Inslee should kiss his ass, but now he's dead. So these people she's selling these cards to, some of them may end up sick, some of them may end up dead, but if no, for no other reason, it's highly illegal. Now, these two nurses have been arrested, and they aren't going to go easy on them. I can guarantee you that. They take all this stuff very seriously, and uh, these fucking people are going to go down, and they're going to find other people that are doing these fake vaccination cards. It amazes me when I'm looking at Trumplicants and the amount of stupidity in these people. I mean, it's almost laughable. If you're going to be a crook or if you're going to lie, at least be good at it. But none of these fucking people from Donald Trump all the way to some Trumplafuck in the the southern Alabama area are just stupid as hell. It's like, like they don't even try. They assume everybody in this country is stupid. Well, maybe all their friends are stupid, but the rest of this country can see through it so easily, and they're laughing at these people. You almost have to laugh, otherwise you cry. So good luck to those two nurses. I'm guessing they lost their jobs. I'm guessing they're looking at some jail time. All right, let's wrap it up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you very much for spending time with me. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that people out there have the time and interest to sit down and listen to a 45, 50-minute podcast with me just talking. It amazes me, but I appreciate it very much. If you have questions, comments, complaints, you can send me emails directly, rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and you can leave a voicemail message. So I hope you have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk some more about what's happening in the world and uh, everything around us. So you have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.